Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Also, um, this is more for Casey. Casey, I 100% lost connection to our Zoom for a hot second. So there's probably some a moment in there where I'm like, what the fuck? Just mm. take that audio, like 30 <laughs> seconds of that audio out. And then put it know, somewhere some else. My, <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly, John, it's, what the fuck is going on? It's a much easier flight back. The weather gets better as you approach the shore, even though better still means raining. Water is sliding down, like cascading from the various drains around Upper Nordia and beating down hard on the large tarp that is covering the Uhuru. Where do you go? Are you going right back to the ship? Yeah, that's, that's where my brain goes. Gable is going to do a quick round around Lower Nordia to kind of see where the inlets are. Ooh, cool. Uh, Make a perception check. Uh, Perception of what? Average with two black dice. So two purple, two black. Then I might as well just not do this. Really? (laughs) Like, truly, all I have is yellow on perception. Try it. Try it. it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Liz, you should try it. Oh, I'll try it. Actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> One triumph. No, yeah, no. That's just four threats. Four threats. Okay, so yeah. you look down over the coast, and Gable is trying to juggle two facts in their mind as they are looking for possible inlets From what you know of the bay, from what has been described to you and pointed out to you on a map earlier, that there is, or at least was, very shallow sandbars and essentially drowned land that surrounds the outer reaches of the Bay of Nordia, which would make it very difficult for ships the size of the large and medium ship to actually come in and shore up on Nordia because there is just land masses in the way and those ships could easily moor themselves. The smaller ships, however, do have the potential, especially with a lot of the rainfall, to move in. But you rightly cannot tell right now because of the rain and because of how dark it is exactly how much the water levels have risen here and what dangers that presents to the group. If there are personnel who are going to be coming off of those large ships, they're probably going to have to row in a little bit. That's what you'd guess. With that knowledge, as you survey the land beneath you, you cannot see where the best place for them to land would be because it seems like there are ample places to land everywhere. To march into Nordia, you'd have to cross that bridge, which is right now being overwhelmed by water. So there are probably new places to land even closer to Nordia than there were before. You're looking around seeing strategically, if I were a mariner, where would I go? 
And the problem is there are just so many options. Jeez. Oh, boy. All right, then Gable heads back to the ship. Metatron will cruise, kind of doing a hot dog maneuver beneath the tarp. will land like full on the deck of the ship. You see waiting for you is Nodos, Spit, and the captain. Uh, what you got for us, Gable? Nothing good, but I think we knew that. In a time such as this, any information is good information. Thank you. That's why you're my friend? Colleague, <laughs> why did you why did you back it off? I don't know. I don't know what your feelings are. We ha- we don't talk about them really, so I didn't want to overstep my boundaries. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we have five vessels, three smaller ones. I need you to remind me, James. I wasn't listening. <laughs> How many small oh, ones? Big ones? Oh, Liz. Oh, okay. Liz. There was one big one. There was a medium one. There, there were we three go. small ones. There we go. There I don't know go. why we do things if it. you're not going to remember them. <laughs> 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 because you're there. You're in the book. You can be the book. Bone-filled meat dice. Be the book you want to see in this world. So Gable tells them what they saw and a rough counting of here's where the Mariner was last. Here's what we can feel. Here's a guesstimate based on the connections that they felt of how many personnel are on the ships in total and also describing and really discussing with the rest of them, the potential speed of each of those individual ships, because some of them will be faster than the others. (sighs) This is a difficult circumstance. We don't know if they're going to be within bombardment range. Each of those larger ships will be equipped with cannons that could be ruinous if they're able to anchor close enough to port. Several of the ships will be able to anchor at this very moment. There's truly no way to tell. I tried once, and I couldn't do it, so I assume that's enough information that no one will be able to tell ever again. Well, you you are the person that we trusted as the scout for this mission, so we'll have to just trust your instincts and not bother with second-guessing. I mean, other people could scout. Other people could do it. It doesn't have to be just me. I'm not that great at looking at things. Other people could look. The Spit and Nodos look to the captain. The captain has a hand on his chin, and he appears to be thoughtfully stroking his beard. And then he looks to you, Gable. It is a questioning look. A look that signals to you that he would like an opinion. How confident are you in your scouting abilities? I'm confident in my abilities if I can use magic. But that's iffy and stressful. The captain just makes a gesture at the air. Well, uh, I suppose we could spare some crew. Anything that we do, we're either going to be pulling people away from fortifying the walls of Nordia or from the scrape. So if you think it's necessary, Helmsperson, we could send out a scouting party to see where they might land. That'll take too long. That'll take far too long. That would only be uh, two or three people at most. If it's something that we need to do, you can give the order to do it. And I think this is a good opportunity for me to explain to you and the audience the mechanics that you're going to have access to during this adventure. Oh, no. It's one of those things. It starts. Yeah, you... (laughs) James built mm-hmm. another game within a game. Uh, the <laughs> nesting dolls of fate. So <laughs> what I have for you, uh, you are not in this alone. You have a big pirate ship full of people that can help you on this adventure against the Mariner. And as you perform actions, okay. you 
basically will have three green dice whenever you want the crew to do something. You can decide to commit individual members of the crew to certain tasks. If you do, they will upgrade the dice that you're rolling to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. However, that will also increase the risk that you incur. Every time you roll a failure on an action involving the crew, you will roll on what I've called the Uhuru death chart. We have listed every single crew member that's ever been talked about aboard the ship of the Uhuru. Wow. Uh, (laughs) What's that number Uh, at? Right now, named crew members, we have 31, probably a bit more than 31, as some of these crew members I've grouped together. And these are the people that that have like officially (laughs) been accepted or have been mentioned as side characters and whatnot. Every failure you get will be one roll on the Uhuru death chart. So if, and we'll be rolling a D 100 dice. So if you roll anything 31 and below, that will affect one of your crew members. Now, everybody on the ship Uh, has a number of hit points that I've assigned based on how much plot entanglement they have, how popular they seem to be with the audience, and how much I like doing the voice. (laughs) So so Spit's got probably some pretty high HP. Spit has higher HP than all of us. (laughs) All the main cast. Expendable member of the crew. James will kill us before he kills Spit. I can't wait for the sequel to this show called Spit Immortal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there are crew members who have no hit points at all which means if they get rolled on this death chart that will be their immediate demise the other thing to think about is you can risk additional crew members on this you can say uh i'm going to take uh Ryan Lochte, who is a member of the Uhuru crew, (laughs) and I'm going to assign Ryan Lochte to this task. You'll be able to upgrade the dice that you're rolling for it, but you will also add 10 new slots on your death chart roll. So if you commit Ryan Lochte to a task, instead of being a 31 and below, possibly hurting a crew member, you'll have 31 and below like normal, and then 10 slots that are dedicated to Ryan Lochte. Wow. So that'll be anything 32 through 40. And that moves on. You can dedicate multiple crew members to roll, basically filling up your death chart to 90% chance that if you roll failure, someone will die. However, each crew member you individually assign a task will also upgrade the dice that you're doing. There are certain tasks that like you can only upgrade your dice so much because like there's only so much you can suggest that adding more people to a problem is actually going to help it be solved more efficiently. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's your Uhuru death chart. So while we're in the middle of this adventure, you have a bunch of options to command the crew and send them about or around the Island. But you know, it could be lethal. So in that Ryan Lochte scenario, mm-hmm. uh, if he's if he's whatever slot he is, and then also thirty two to forty, do they do all of those slots have the same like hit points? Yes. So it'll be putting Ryan Lochte's hit points in all those slots. So Ryan, I hate to say, unfortunately has zero hit points. So if Ryan okay. were to get rolled on that, he would die. However. If you were to take a crew member like Overboard, who hosts a segment on our Dear Uhurus with his HR center, like that's somewhat important to the show. So I'll reveal that Overboard has a whole four hit points. So if you were to roll Overboard on the death chart, that would merely move his hit points down by one. However, Oh, that's not so bad. Well, I want to point this out. You can't heal these hit points. When these hit points are reduced, Mm. 
they're gone. The only way their hit points might go up is if you somehow involve the character in heavier plot circumstances and I'm forced to reevaluate how popular and significant that character is. But if you mill down somebody's hit points, you're just going to burn right through them. But feasibly, we could send spit out on every task. Uh, well, you can try. Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you I have worked out rules for spit. I know exactly what will happen. Oh, roll for insubordination. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh. Um, I want to check in on a few of our friends. Like, uh, how how's it looking for Jerry? Uh, which Jerry? Which Jerry? Normal jerk Jerry, off. jerk off. Jerry, Jerry, comma jerk no, off. Oh, oh, master. Oh, jerk off, Jerry. Jerry. Why didn't you say there are a lot? If he does not, there are actually a lot of Jerry's here. <laughs> if he doesn't have sixty nine HP, that's a a goddamn crime. Uh, I, I I will let you know that jerk off Jerry does have three hit points. Okay, that's pretty good. What about Toku? Toku is also I like standing Toku. at three. Okay, okay you good. Know, Toku is a character okay, that, uh, you know, Tyler plays, and that's actually really useful for me to have in chaotic <laughs> scenes. So he's got a few more hit points. Jerk Off Jerry is a very funny character. People love to talk about Jerk Off Jerry, but they also hate all of the things that Jerk Off Jerry says. So I did give him a few hit points, uh, but not many mm. because I think. There's, we're going to reach a point where we'll probably all be very glad to be relieved of jerk off Jerry. <laughs> yeah, and yet, no matter what, like... we'll still have spit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> James, could you do me a flavor and send me the list? Ooh. Or do I just have to remember? Uh, no, that, that's, uh, that seems reasonable. Let me pull up. Do me a flavor. Thank you, oh. Pod Daddy. Pod Daddy. You're welcome, uh, Pod BB. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that you have um, what their voices sound like. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a <laughs> list that was actually originally uh, compiled by uh, a fan of the show that I adapted into the Uhuru Death Chart. There is We've somebody who up through people. episode 19 actually just <laughs> lists every character that has ever appeared on the show. Yife. Yeah, Whew. they put in a lot of work and we salute them. Glad to see that Slam is uh, probably safe here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so again, Slam? <laughs> Wendell Barge, big also voice. Oh, God. Like, literally, dear, dear listeners, the HP, everyone has, like, a number in here. The thing that is under spits <laughs> says spit will never die. <laughs> spit. So Prospector. Mad. Spit so will never die. Oh. That means you won't get upgrades if you assign spit to a task. But if we do roll spit on the chart, he's essentially a free space because spit will never die. Okay, great. All right. Um, cool. Thank you. So stepping back into our narrative, you know, Gable, that you could assign crew members to go out and perform this task. There is a chance that they could roll failures and it risks their death. Um, sorry, but in the notes, so did the, did the fan write these notes or did you write these I think notes, I wrote James? the notes. <laughs> um, I fucking love the note for Dunstan. The note is pretty sure this is the chimp from Dunstan checks in. <laughs> pretty sure, not a hundred percent sure, but you know. That was me oh, desperately God. trying to remember who we have added to this crew. Yeah. Okay, it's just uh back in. Gable thinks, which is hard for them. It's not easy to think. If we could put exactly one crew member at each of these inlets and they point out on the map where these potential sandbars that could be deeper or higher depending on the tide or how the mariner controls the tide keep lookouts and at the first sign of any sort of breach set up a flare that could give us 30 minutes to an hour of time to prepare they, that would let us know where they are boarding our shores as well. There is one risk that I foresee with that. 
which is that if they are to send up a flare, that will alert the fleet of drowned sailors to their position. Well, we don't need a flare if we can have just our fastest crew members who can run. The fastest crew member that we have is Jonnet, as has been established in a live show segment. He just moves his feet very, very fast. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, I'm down to help out however I can if if, if I needed a scouting, but I I would want... Right, I I would want to kind of be here. (laughs) Well, then what would your command be? I don't know that we have anyone on this ship that's a strong swimmer. Or do we? <laughs> so the impression that I'm getting is that Gable would like to assign Ryan Lochte uh, and some other faceless crew members to yes. scout on the beach. Yes. All right. Uh, so to do that, you'll be ro- rolling two green and one yellow die against two purple and two black. Against two purple, you said? That's correct. Oh, God. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that's fine. That is just three successes. James is dead. James dead. James left the frame as I made the roll. Where did he go? Yeah, I apologize. I went to go get dice that I could roll in case somebody died, but I, I hear that apparently it was a success and nobody's going to die. Ryan Lochte lives another day. All right. How many successes? But he did get mugged. <laughs> he did get well, mugged. he said he got mugged. <laughs> he lied about <laughs> yeah. getting mugged. Uh, how many successes did you say that was again? Three. Three. Three successes. Okay. You are going to be alerted as soon as Mariners make landfall. So you don't have to worry about uh, any of that. Like you, you'll you'll find out as soon as... Uh, actually, what what is the order? Is it as soon as they make landfall or are they going to be running uh, back as soon as they see ships? Didn't you say that there was like an inlet or a couple inlets? So so there is theoretically one decent inlet that will definitely let in all the smaller boats and could potentially let in the larger boats. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So you you basically, as soon as a ship passes that area, you want to be informed? Yes. Okay. Any sort of ship. Cool. Yeah. I, then I, I think like as soon as a ship crosses that parallel, everybody aboard the Uhuru is going to be notified. So that will give you a, I, I think a full hour's notice before ships can even start lining up cannon fire, let alone make landfall. So you'll have, you'll have plenty of notice because of that role. Well, I did a thing. I did some hard work, so. With that, Jane walks over. Hey, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt the strategy meeting. Uh, there are a couple merchants from the town that say they have deliveries. Oh! <gasps> John, it runs, <laughs> runs out the door. <laughs> Gable runs after him. Um, <laughs> you run out to the Uhuru, which is under the large tarp that is protecting it from weather you can hear uh, the howling of winds and the beating of rain outside uh, but there's a bit of calmness here the tarp extends well over the docks and you can see down the gangplank there are two merchants one a finely dressed young man and the other an older man in a sooty apron with, with thick gloves who appears to be at least carrying a sword. It's Duncan and Alex, our two friends. Hey, come on up. Get out of the rain. Come on. Come on. We're planning a battle. Get in here. <laughs> Travis, 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 come meet our new friends. Me and John went on a shopping spree. Come on. (laughs) This man has your blood. That's right. I got your blood. (laughs) Alex says with a wink. What? Is this the blood? That's the blood for the coat. Well, I hope it was useful. Wow. You are exactly how I pictured you. Mm, You're welcome. Alex is magic. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. 
Yes, yes, yes. I'm sure we're all very impressed with how magic I am. I would like to be the first to present the present that came from your very good friends who hate you very much. And he'll hold out to you a box that is, you know, large enough to hold the coat. I I think it is made out of a fine wood that has like burned into it the logo of Alex's tailor shop. Uh, Gable, Jonnet, you should have. (laughs) Wow. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, (laughs) just... You can read him like an open blood, you know? It's just... <laughs> hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. We're getting things started off this week with a radvertisement, and this one comes to us from the good folks over at World Builders. They just wanted to offer a hearty thank you to everyone who contributed to their Geeks Doing Good mid-year drive. There was a lot of support for the Skyjacks merch in the Indiegogo campaign this year, especially Travis's Nordian handkerchief. You and all the other donors raised over $170,000 to support World Builders. That is going to support a lot of fundraisers this year and in the coming years. Now, if you happen to miss out on the merchandise that was part of that campaign, don't worry. It'll be headed to the World Builders Marketplace soon enough. Once again, a huge thanks to the one-shot heroes who supported the drive, and a huge thanks for the good folks over at World Builders for letting us be a part of it and for supporting the show this week. Speaking of Travis's Nordian handkerchief, not to spoil the episode, but that is coming up. So if you did manage to order one, you'll get to hear it described first on the show. Uh, I believe we said it was embroidered. Uh, The handkerchiefs that we had made were just dyed because embroidery was very expensive, but they are still beautiful. Before we get back to the episode, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Ray Ellen D'Onofrio, thank you so much. Lucian Brinkley, thank you. Lloyd, thank you very much. Akemi Manawa. Thank you. Ya boy. Thank you very much. Ryan Mulder. Thank you. Sydney Wood. Thank you so much. Cheryl. Thank you. Chris Fennessy. Thank you so much. And Matthew Elmsley. Thank you very much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. It would not be possible to make this show without you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Well, do you you like it, Travis? Well, I, I mean, it's a it's a. It's a great box. I can't wait to open, open it up. Open, 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 Travis open. opens the box. <laughs> <laughs> he tosses it over his shoulder. Uh, starting with Liz and Tyler, I want to know one detail from each of you about what this coat looks like. Uh, I will add the detail of the base design for this coat is very similar to Travis's original coat. So if you're a fan artist or, you know, we have some official fan art for the character, we probably don't need to spend the ludicrous amount of money and time (laughs) to update that design so much. But there can be neat extra things involved with it. Yeah, this one does have... um... A uh, big 
patch of Taz, the Tasmanian devil on no, the back. No, we were starting with Liz and Tyler, so unfortunately I had oh, to okay, strike sure, that sure. from camera. <laughs> Very funny. Travis, Johnny, um, what what's your main what's your main weapon? Taz. Stop. <laughs> um uh the gu- the my pistols. Okay. And you don't have I can't remember. Do you have like I want to do like a a sleeve. Is that already a th- like Ooh. pistol like all you need to do is like do like a jerking Ooh. response and then like Assassin's Creed like pistol in your hand ready to go. That's fucking cool as that shit. That is really cool. I don't think that would work with the standard weapon that uh Travis uses, but I kind of like the idea that there's like a little derringer slot yeah. that, that's up his sleeve. That's that's wow. radical. Like it's like a, a a last resort kind of like literal trick up his sleeve. Or yeah, or or like yes. a surprise thing. Yeah. Like, you know. Ugh. That's or radical. you could keep gum I- there. <laughs> That's true. Just, yeah, one though. is actually, you know, the the left. <laughs> no, that <was> great. <laughs> one's a gun. One's gum. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, wait, hang on. No, yeah. Uh, it changes, and you have to roll to sit, like one. <laughs> depending on the roll, it'll be the gum sleeve or the gun sleeve. Well, we know that Travis won't bother to remember which is which, so technically we could do that, and it would be well within the spirit of the game. We'll play it by ear. What you got, Liz? It looks like the the fabric on the outside is nice and like a little bit decorative, but the inside is lined with thick leather because he gets stabbed so much. <laughs> so this will, it's kind of, instead of a, it, kind of a, not a, not exactly armor, but it's thick and hard to pierce. Ooh. Just in case he keeps on getting stabbed. I like that. Well, in, in terms of the Genesis rule set, we can definitely count that as a type of armor, which gives, uh, at least for close range things, I think it would give a black die to opponents trying to stab yes. Travis. By the way, Gable, I know you're going to hate this, but this code is designed to make it harder to stab this man. Uh, uh. And Johnny, what about you? What detail would you like uh, to see on this jacket? Well, <laughs> what detail would I like to see on it? Well, again, or... that's already been struck from canon, unfortunately. We, we... <laughs> so this is something that uh, the the person who made the real jacket um that that i have mm-hmm. talked about that i think is really cool that i want to make real and I, i'll expand on it a little but they described like a handkerchief that has stitched in it the different animal forms Ooh. um but i think that it's also like an illamat board so i think in each of the corners like oh. um it has like the the stitching of the the animal, but then you can also because the real Illumat board is a handkerchief. Yeah, that's so. I think that that's true, and that rules. Wow. Yeah. Dig it. So it just it just came with that, like you know, in the pocket. Yeah, I, I think this is a colorful piece of cloth too, because this is Nordia, and they have ample reserves of of different natural dyes that come from here it's it's one of the main valuable exports and uh something that helped make the interior of alex's shop quite beautiful so you have this beautiful handkerchief that has reds and blues and and whites representing your animal forms uh that can also serve as an illimat board and Folks, we'll figure that one out because that's pretty cool. Uh, small side note I've been playing uh, Illumet a little bit mm. and it's really fun. No, I'm late to the party, but great <laughs> game, <laughs> really solid. It's fun, but it's just challenging enough to be like. I would have to work very hard to be very good at this, but I'm oh, yeah. good enough right now to be pretty 
uh, good enough. And for those listening at home in the audience, like that's how an improviser thinks is all I have to do is be good enough right now. Yeah, James. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I can, if I can roll out of bed and deliver a solid C plus, <laughs> that's fucking choice. <laughs> well, let's move on to Alex has another box, a much larger box that he sets down in front of Gable. This is it also get presents very exciting the best present is the present you buy for yourself thank you for supporting me and my purchases open it, well, open it. i need to see what you think okay uh gable opens the box uh so liz uh we we did dis- you you did decide on purple yes. as a design for the coat is there anything else noteworthy that you wanted uh specifically about the design of the coat um uh, hmm the thing about like i i was looking at oil skin coats but it's all like modern oil skin coats mm-hmm. um i want it to have something that is particularly useful in the upcoming fight but i'm not sure what exactly because like it is pretty water repellent and it probably has a hood but otherwise i don't have many ideas well i am going to say that this is an oilskin coat that is also embroidered on the back there are truly elaborate patterns of stars that cover the back of this coat you can see different constellations that have formed uh, that that are stitched into it with a fine gold thread. The coat itself has, you know, the, a, a basic straight coat design with a flared out uh, piece around the shoulders that will help uh, water roll down off of it. It also has a cape that is detachable from it. <gasps> Oh, and I think the cape has a split down the back, so it looks a bit like wings, but it will cut an incredibly dramatic figure, whether you are sailing through the air on the back of a bird or whirling around in the dance of combat. I think it's got black buttons that are lined with gold. So they move down the center of this coat. I think it's in one of those double button patterns. So mm-hmm. you've got some buttons that like, I think it's, it's called double breasted, right? That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's in a double breasted pattern. Uh, so it moves very securely. And I, I think there is also a bit of a break uh, near the waist of this coat. Are you swatting a fly Tyler or trying to get no, in? We're just looking uh, at Johnny. Johnny's, <laughs> Johnny's. Doing background. Oh stuff my god! Chat. <laughs> yeah, that's Taz. That's Taz, baby. That's Taz. <laughs> that's a different Taz that I've ever seen, but that's Taz. Uh, that's definitely Taz. Taz. Uh, James, um, you said there was a constellation on the back, right? Yes. Could it be the constellation that is the same as Gable's tattoo? Uh, yeah. Wow. It's got a huge depiction of the morning star on it. Yeah, fuck me up, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think that moves across. It's sort of on the back over your shoulders. So it is a bit obscured. Like the top of the embroidery is a bit obscured by like the flap that prevents the rain from rolling down you. But it is there in in this like large and starry glory. Uh, For those who are curious in Gable's official character art, uh, there is an outline of what the morning star looks like on Metatron's head. So, you know, if you, if you're wondering what pattern we're talking about, that's where you can find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last thing, um, Gable, the, the neck on this, did you want it to be one of those that like can can stand up or did you want it to fold down? Oh no, I want it to stand up very much. Thank you. Cool. So yeah, it, there's there's a little button toggle area that can close up the neck as well. So 
this is a garment that is, is full of a lot of movement in it, but still heavy and will thickly resist the rain. And also it looks identical to the official art. Uh, no, it looks much different than the official art. So we'll probably have to get a new thing for Gable. Johnny, you don't get free new art for cutting off your hand. You have to engage with the town. <laughs> okay. uh, Gable's jacket does have Taz on the back, though. But it's on the other underside. The Taz is yeah. just for me. Taz is not for the outside world. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a place where we could get sued, but the audience can have the full knowledge that Taz Taz is is there. there. He's there. Just just yelling. Taz Taz is a main character on this show now. (laughs) Look, if you want to put Taz on the ship, you can put Taz on the ship. I've got a whole chart just for him. (laughs) With that... Alex smiles broadly. I think someone likes it. Alex, this Gable? is incredible. You look so good. Ahem. Ahem. Mr. Madigo, are you pleased? Yes, it's wonderful. I would just like to hear it from someone else. It's a perfect coat. This coat was made for you. So, yes, it's a perfect coat. I, I would tell you that I like the way you look in it, but I am blind, so it's gonna have to be one of your friends that does that. But you can tell. You can tell. If I tell you that it's a good-looking coat, can we move on to me? <laughs> Travis, it's a very good-looking coat, all right? Travis, Thank you, you look Janet. fine. Thank you, Gable. And we we made we got it specially made for you because everyone wants to kill you all the time, all the time, every single moment. Uh, it is customary to tip. Uh, <laughs> yes, Travis, uh, it's customary to tip the man. Yeah, go ahead, bud. Go ahead. It's your coat. Uh, well, all of my money is in a different coat somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, just uh, you pay him in planks and plaques. <laughs> Blanks. Uh, sure, here you go. Uh, let's see. Here you go. Uh, he'll move his finger over it. It says you made me a beautiful coat. How? And so it, and so it is. How did you... How many... Plaque... Pla- uh, one second. Who's your plaque guy? <laughs> uh, here you go. Uh, it's his name is Plaque Trick, and he lives in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> Plaque Trick, shut up. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, list. Gable gives Alex real money for tipping. Great. <laughs> so Alex graciously takes the 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 purse of money that you hand over, nods to all of you. It has been wonderful working with all of you. I will hopefully see you later. Alex makes his way off of the ship, tapping about the boards with a cane, finding his way easily down the plank and back into Upper Nordia. Sort of less charismatic uh, standing there is, is the blacksmith that you encountered earlier, who's like fidgeting about waiting to present his packages. I didn't know if I had to stay around. It seemed like this was a thing. Yes, 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 yes. Duncan, thank you so much. Uh, Also, you did ask us if you could come on the boat, right? Oh, yes, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll be happy to know that we... uh, I don't know how to tell him that we're fighting and not going. Um, You know what? Never mind. Should have told Alex that, too. (laughs) Should have told Alex that we're fighting and not going. Um, You know what? Never mind. Um... Everything is good. Uh, I would just say, if you wanted to, maybe pack a bag, just in case. It's always good to have a bag for going places. A go bag. It's always good to have a bag. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saying it for years. It's always good to have a bag. He says it all the time, for years. Mm -hmm. The other thing that he said for years is, that's not my bag, baby. Uh, (laughs) That was a bit of a catchphrase he was working on for a while. No. Mm-hmm. Cut to 150 years ago where he was wearing a blue suit <laughs> and a white kerchief. <laughs> and just having lots of sex. 
<laughs> Solid crimes. Uh, yeah. Good. Duncan, did you, did you get my spoons? So, yeah, the, the first thing that I'll hand over is a small box that contains commemorative spoons. Um, spoons. We have our spoons. What do these, these spoons look like? I don't remember. <laughs> I think you asked for a spoon that was a depiction of you and Gable standing in front of the Uhuru. Great. Or was it just the Uhuru? I think it was just the Uhuru. Yeah. I, I, I think it says... Jonet Kessler, year 200, and the Uhuru, like, kind of engraved on it. And up at the top of the spoon on the handle, there is a very nice depiction of uh, your ship. And then, can I just say that, like, there was, there's three, our three birds are flying around it. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, Absolutely. Ah, uh, thanks, Duncan. This is great. Jonet is going to put it like in his back. Actually, know what? He's going to take it and he's going to like tuck it in his bandana, like kind of yeah. like right behind the ear a little bit. So it just kind of like sticks up like a tiny little antenna. <laughs> <laughs> and against all odds, it looks a little cool. <laughs> just a tiny bit cool. Uh, the next is a large package that is handed over to Gable. Gable opens it. And inside, there is a beautiful, extra-large cutlass. This would be the size of a longsword for a normal person, but for Gable, it is, you know, a perfect cutlass size. Does it have all the accoutrement with it, like a... Yeah, it, it, it definitely comes in it comes in a, a scabbard you know it, it, it's nothing fancy apart from the the size and length of it it was difficult to guess what the balance would need to be for someone like you gable is waving it around and is there anyone walking by i mean yeah there's a pliff uh <laughs> Uh, Gable <laughs> takes a swipe for his belt. <laughs> oh, Cliff's belt, like, <laughs> it feels like you've barely touched the belt with the sword, but his pants explode <laughs> off of him. <laughs> Gable turns back. This will be perfect. <laughs> Clean yourself you. up, Cliff. We're going to battle soon. Oh my god. What's oh wrong my with god. You? What are you doing, Cliff? <laughs> I had this dream last night. <laughs> Get out of my sight. You're a disgrace. <laughs> Cliff uh, runs across the deck, gets his foot stuck in a bucket, falls to the ground, and rolls across the ground, falling into the cargo hold. I like him. He's, He's grown great. on me. Mm hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Duncan. This is Duncan. The people of Nordia have such incredible craftsmanship. I think I knew it, but I didn't really appreciate it until now. I appreciate the compliment. We will be looking forward to seeing you later. Do you have an idea of when you might be departing? Do well. Mm. Are you what? trying to get rid of us? As does he not know? He knows he's trying to be a little lighthearted. We don't know yet. No, We've I... sent scouts. We don't. We're not. We're not sure. We're getting a lay of the land, as it were. He nods seriously. I will prepare. And please tell anyone you know, just to um, be on their guard. He nods again and waves to you as he makes his way back to his shop. Oh, hey, Duncan. Mm. If you come across any uh, bad bog wine, just uh, hang on to that, all right? 
Are you saying I've made a bad memory for you? No, 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 no. No. Because no. uh, saying... it would be traditional to gift it to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we I'm didn't. just saying it might just come in handy to like have if it. Some, if someone gave it to someone and then that person just left it and it was just around if you had it. No, no, you shouldn't do that. That's how Axel ended up a mummy corpse. Okay, understandable. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. I still, one of these days, I'm going to get this tradition right. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. We return once again to the captain's quarters aboard the Uhuru as the captain's council is working through the large sacks of mail addressed to the members of the Uhuru crew and her captain, Oromar Vale. Dear Uhuru, I have a bit of a bad boy reputation, and I'm sexy as hell. My plumage is pure white, and my tail feathers are long and perfect. Everyone knows I'm the greatest griffin ever to soar the skies, and I absolutely love my elite path of solitude. Recently, though, I've been feeling strange. I met a fellow bad boy who I keep thinking about. Their attitude is just so entitled, just as entitled as mine, and it makes me furious. I mean, don't they know who I am? I should hate them. But I also can't stop thinking of the way their green head feathers blend into their elegant neck and the sound of their quack uh, when they're racing and showing off it just gets me going. What should I do? Should I rip their feathers out and continue my elite path of solitude? Or should I sign up for a chance to stud with them? Please help. Sincerely confused in the clouds. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Is this a thing that I should get? Uh, no, I think it's just, yeah, just about two birds who want to fuck. No, I think okay. it's one thousand percent something that y'all should get, as these are characters that you interact with and have interacted. You've been on the back of both of these characters. Travis. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Wow. I thought this was like a third. I just thought it was a. Th- a lot of times things are references to other things. Sometimes they're reference to the thing that we do. <laughs> well, we don't know. I figured... Maybe it's a different white peacock or something. Maybe it's a, like a, a similar, bird. a pastiche of the things that we know. Or maybe. Maybe it's a Homestuck thing. <laughs> I mean, that is always a good <laughs> fallback. Uh, it, uh, it could always be a Homestuck thing. <laughs> uh, regardless, I, I, I do believe uh, that this refers to uh, two uh, erstwhile members of the crew. Uh, the, you know, we, and we should be thinking of things in those terms. Well, first of all, Lucas is not a member of the crew. He's a contractor. Uh, that's true. For, uh, I forgot we do not insure Lucas. Uh, well, but I do want re- to assert that He doesn't want to be on Metatron... staff. He prefers to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. And Metatron is insured and, uh, as well as Flea. They are both insured. Cigna. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's right. That's the sponsorship deal we have worked out. No, they're sponsored by Aflac. <laughs> there, yeah. There, okay, that's that's one hundred percent. That's much better. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, two one uh, one contractor. Maybe that shifts our perspective on this. Do we want these birds to fuck? I'd say, sure. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Gable, what's you the, sound what's the harm. You sound hesitant. I was just trying to think of. Lucas doesn't seem the type to ask permission. You know. Well, he doesn't need our permission. You know? Do you think someone wrote this on his behalf? I think someone's writing fanfic about him. <laughs> well, th- now that's a much more serious problem. Because I think 
Lucas is able to, you know, if he if he had wanted to have sexual congress with Ferdinand the Duck, then he would have done it. They would have already agreed to the terms and done the deed. I think someone's writing nasty smutty fanfic about my birds. And sending it to you in the form of a letter. Yes, because it's part of it. It is part of it. This is all part yeah, of it. I could, as, a, as a man of, of many perversions, I, I could see how that could be a very big part of it. Hmm, well, then we have to go on a, a, a mole hunt and, and root out the member of the crew who's writing up nasty fan fiction to, to try and get their sick perversions uh, treated as, as reality. Hmm. Well, I guess we should start by rounding up the horniest members of the crew. Smash cut to a interrogation room with a lineup of some of the horniest members of the crew. We can see moving down the lineup that that Spit has moved from being an investigator into being part of the lineup. Uh, <laughs> we can see Jerk Off Jerry is there. Uh, we we were in the middle of a planning session. <laughs> we can see Baritone Barry is there. We can also see uh, that a haunted mummy is there. What? Uh, a haunted mummy. The horny mummy. So if I'm to understand this correctly, you've rounded up these members of the crew, uh, and we're just trying to determine which one has been writing perverse fan fiction about other members of the crew and sending it to the captain's council as kind of a taunting, psychosexual mind game. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well so summarized. everybody, uh, just uh, everybody, reach into your pockets and uh, empty them out. We all we barge into your rooms while you are having uh, your alone time. So if you are writing something, you likely stuck it in your pockets very quick. Like so, everybody, turn out your pockets right now. I would like okay. to point out that jerk off Jerry's hands have been in his pockets since he entered the room. Yes. Yeah. I'll yes, turn yes, them out. Yes. I'll turn them out in just a minute. Just uh, give me a minute. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Turn him out. Um, so I... Hold uh, on. Jerry? Jerry? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, you yeah, you can go, and by the time you're done, I'll probably be ready. Really? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in, in my pockets, I've just got some, uh, some bits of coin, uh, a couple condoms, a uh, pit and quill, uh, that is cool. framed picture of uh, Griffin and uh, <laughs> uh, that's about it. Pretty big pockets. <clears throat> uh, what? Which Griffin do you have a a picture of? Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> um, it's not Metatron. It's not the. Uh, which one is? Which one is? The- and it's not. It's obviously not you. <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> And do you really carry around an eight by ten, a framed eight by ten everywhere you go? Well, a, an unknown. You bird. want me to carry around a five by seven? Come on, man. Baritone Barry hey, how do they... is very tall, has very deep pockets. How do they talk about picture sizes in Europe? Hmm. <laughs> Do you mean, like, like are the dimensions like 46 by 22 or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Probably that. (laughs) Huh. Or do you think maybe they just adopted, like, you know, if you're going for for an audition and they're like, okay, we need your resume, maybe maybe they just kind of adopted the... Who invented photography? No. Okay. We're moving Uh, on. Photography (laughs) is, is... Again, we have to solve this Scooby-Doo-esque <laughs> mystery. It sounds so, like he's stalling. All right, he sounds me? like you're. Tr- yeah, he's wait, this is, wait, this is Travis. Look, <laughs> if I if I wanted two birds to fuck, I would take it into my own wings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. That well, it looks like Spit had in his pocket just gum, just used chewed gum just varying colors and sizes just a big gumball huh you know what this is about and you know what it's for and i don't even need to say it so let's all move on oh okay 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it comes as a surprise when I turn out my pockets and I, it's just a, there's just a hole in my yeah, pocket. Yeah, just big yeah, holes, holes in that pocket big over there. Not really a pocket so much as a ho- a, a place where your a pants sleeve. used to be. Yeah, sleeve. But mm. what about you, haunted mummy? What do you have in your pockets? And also, we've never really established there being a haunted mummy on the ship. Oh, me? It's just me, the haunted mummy you always known. No, Your no. good friend, Mm-mm. a haunted I, mummy. I know no mummy. Uh, Nodos approaches a haunted mummy and uh, in one quick mo- motion says, let's see who you really are. All right, you're around unraveling. It's, it's me, Jacinto Reth. And also me, Jacinto Reth. That's we right. Knew you. We knew it. We want we those birds to fuck. Okay. <laughs> I hate it. We think it. they'd get along. They've got so much in common. Hey, 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 Jacinto, Jacinto, just because you may want something to happen doesn't mean that it has to. Those birds, it's up to them. All right? You can't force love. In all the classic plays... Everybody is always playing psychosexual mind games to get each other's friends to fuck. That's the whole point of Much Ado. That's the whole thing. I know. I I think there's also a murder in that one. uh, They fake a death, which is also its own kind of psychosexual mind game. game. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I'm in the clear. Jacinto, you are never, you are almost never in the clear. You have never been in the clear since you, you stepped into either universe that you have have occupied (laughs) no one's liked it no one's asked for it and no one has continued to even think about it until you present yourself yet again your existence is a psychosexual mind game (laughs) (laughs) well maybe it is and and maybe i would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you No. no no bye stop writing us letters Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. In the universe of Starwall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Allie Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Session Zero. Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role-playing. Each episode will feature role-playing concepts, stories, and tropes viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Discount. Be sure to join them on the couch for the next session. Jonet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. 
You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs>